people can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. So welcome to an all-new episode of Stoke the Fire, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a while. We're circling back. We are stoking the fires once again. Matt Stocks here with Jesse Leach. Uh, joined today, dude, how exciting is this, by the, the legend, Danny Filth. But as we just very briefly spoke about off-mic, the main thing that has got us excited about today is getting to know the man behind the myth, Danny Filth. Indeed. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Obviously, a lot of people know who he is. A lot of people know the band. And for me, I'm excited for the whole package, for sure. Hell yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to click admit. And we'll hit the ground running and see how there. Even his screen holder is amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I saw Danny at a tattoo convention, um, that event that I was hosting uh, about a month ago. He was there with his partner, who's an artist. Um, so we got to catching up and I was like, dude, we got to get you on Stoke the Fire. So that's kind of how this came around. And Love and it. cometh the hour, cometh the man. There he is. How are you, Danny? Oh, you oh. need to un- unmute yourself. We've got, got visual. I just need audio. No. Can't hear you. I don't think he really has. His... <laughs> yeah. Can you hear us, mate? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. There, there, there he is. Smooth sailing. Look, <laughs> it looks amazing, mate. Yeah, nicely lit. You've got some bugs on the wall behind you. That'll be from the Russian government. <laughs> uh, good to see you, mate. I was just saying to Jesse that me and you ran into each other about a month ago now at the uh, the UK TTA. Uh, it was lovely catching up with you then. Um, have you and Jesse? spent any time together on the road at festivals have you two met properly before i'm not sure i don't i think i met you once uh, i think you came to visit the guys when they were on tour yeah if if any um interactions between you and i were ever to happen it was extremely brief the only one time i remember brush literally brushing by you uh we were in the philippines playing at like two in the morning ah yeah 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 and i was looking for my ipod <laughs> i think yeah and i was beyond exhausted and like between alcohol and, and caffeine just cross-eyed trying to get ready for stage so brief brief interactions do you drink on the road danny i know you enjoy beer when you're at home are you somebody who you Me? Know, drink, drinks before I shows I, I don't drink anymore oh you've given up completely have you yeah 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 absolutely yeah how long have you been clean uh clean <laughs> <laughs> kind of annoys me when people say this else uh i'm actually six months tomorrow but i, I never put it anywhere because it sounds like before that you put six months sober but he's assuming that before that you're a raging alcoholic and uh-huh just literally was not the case you're no. ready you're ready for a change yeah i just i just thought i usually do it every uh new year's um this year i did it before new year's eve just to see if uh how different it would be and if you can get over that you can get over everything um he says that with a birthday coming up um but yeah no it's it's uh it was relatively easy actually just kept going 
if people just can keep reminding you every time you go out, oh God, you're a non-drinker, or you can drive me, brother. It's it's a piece of piss. Mm. I think that is the truth of it. Is um, it's often other people's awareness and and focus on it that is the only thing really that is kind of hard to deal with. Yeah, it's a social. <laughs> You can get over the social thing, you know, your confidence and everything comes back and uh, you don't view it as the same sort of thing. You don't think, oh, God, I've got to have a drink. Now I think, oh, my God, I've got to have a pineapple juice or something. Yeah. Those things would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. I, I completely agree. So I've scaled way back. Um, you know, I, I'll have periods of time where I'll have a drink and then go for like a month without it. And I find during that month, clarity, I sleep better. It's just a nice way to be. So as much as I still dip my toe in, I could see how just not stopping would not be a huge issue. But the social thing for sure. And I'm a, I love going out to eat. I love going to places and being sociable. And usually that is accompanied by a drink. So it's a matter of replacing that. You know, I'll do mocktails. You kind of trick yourself. It sounds silly, but it works. Yeah, so mocktails, though, bloody hell. You're paying more money than yeah. <laughs> take the alcohol out and then charge more money for them. Yeah. Danny, let's um let's talk about punk rock, if that's all right with you. Uh, you know, I never got to I, I went to Vegas and I you never did? Got, I never got to the punk rock museum. I didn't have the time. You were out there for Sick New World, right? That festival that just happened. Yeah, we had the day off the next day. And uh yeah, we intended to, we just got waylaid by people well how was that festival first of all because it was an amazing bill i imagine lots of old friends out there did you have a good time yeah, it, was, it was incredible yeah really enjoyed it um totally different from what i expected it to be uh what was it we, like was it like disneyland for adults <laughs> yeah a bit yeah really relaxed we got there on the friday and so we were there whilst we got a sound check and a few other bands like sisters did system of a down corn deftones Got to watch most of them, apart from System of Down, a bit stuffy. They're like, uh, we'd watch Corn just sitting on the grass. Then System of Down came on. And we were doing our shit. So um, my girlfriend went to watch them. And uh, the security guard came up and said, uh, you're not supposed to be here. She goes, okay, I'm just, all right, where can I stand? And he sort of said, off site. And she was like miles away. They were like specks in the distance. It was very odd behavior. But um yeah, the whole thing was amazing. Really relaxed as well. I thought it was going to be complete chaos, you know, but um, no, real, real good vibe. I think that format of show is going to be the future, isn't it? There was the emo one. There was that one that they've just done this dark new world one. Or did you see that? It's like an 80s. No, theme. I did. That it's got like crazy. Devo, psychedelic furs, like all of these classic 80s stuff. And I feel like, that not i mean nostalgia is big business right i'm sure you can both attest yeah, to yeah. this nostalgia <laughs> is now kind of the most valuable commodity in live entertainment and so it's well, like yeah. let's clump it all together and get everybody you like that one scene there and then you've just got this monster of a, an event well you are you are aiming toward people with disposable incomes aren't you and there's a man uh just touching uh touching 50 <laughs> i know exactly what you mean <laughs> Yeah, Jesse, well, you're a... about to turn 45 as well, aren't you? Right, yeah, and I, I would have to say, I think, you know, that's what music really does, though. It brings you to a memory. I mean, that's why people 
start to love a band or become obsessed with something because there's memories attached to it. It's not just the music. It's when you heard that song, you know, people always tell me this. I'm sure you get this too. The first time they heard you, they were this age and this was happening and they'll never forget the music video and this and that. So nostalgia runs through regardless. I think music and nostalgia go hand in hand. They're, they're not, um, you know, separated for sure. But yeah, as I get older, the more I look back on, you know, the stuff I grew up with, with absolute adoration, because it was just a moment in time, you know, and pre-internet stuff, you know, talk about like the late eighties, early nineties, like I cherish that music so much because it was just different. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. Who were those bands for you, Danny? Back, well, so in, in what context? Sort of 12, 13, 14, just discovering it all, falling down the rabbit hole for the first time. Oh, my God. It was everything. It was like, uh, well, I started off with um, Ultravox, believe it or not. And then uh, after a bit of experimenting with pop and got straight into metal, but right at the deep end. So it went straight from Maiden and uh, Merciful Fate to like Slayer and all the underground fresh stuff from um that we used to discover in shades in london so like the brazilian stuff and the european early destruction and what have you but at the same time getting really into punk and hardcore so yeah it was it was everything and uh yeah real strong recollections about yeah music it was like you can attribute it to different emotions different times different feelings what you were doing then you know family situations some holidays, you know, I've got some holiday albums for sure. How Will I Laugh Tomorrow by Suicidal Tendencies. That's definitely a summer holiday album. Yes. <laughs> Assumedly on the Walkman and the headphones, not in your parents' car. No, no, of course. <laughs> uh, although I did, I did subject them to a few nights of uh, John Peel. They're like, oh, my God, Napalm Death are on there tonight. We've got to listen to this. Yes. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people obviously associate you with, with metal and extreme metal, but I love the fact that you've always been very open about your love of punk. And, you know, whenever I see Bad Religion do a post on Instagram, there's usually a, a Danny Filth comment in the comment section, you yeah. know, showing them love. And I know they're one of your favorite bands. And I think for me, a lot of what you've done, maybe you could you know, agree or disagree or shed some light on this. A lot of what you've done throughout the Cradle story seems to have been driven from a similar place. To punk and this want to be in control and, and and kind of do it yourself and and perhaps shock and provoke like i think a lot of the philosophies that punk rock show the world you've incorporated into you know extreme metal through cradle of filth would that be safe to say yeah absolutely uh, obviously i think uh, as a musician growing up with um really strong uh, musical identities and genres that you kind of cherry pick we certainly did. Is it cherry pick or is it steel? I'm not quite sure, but you know, one or the other. You, you know, like you, we borrowed some stuff from soundtracks and dark wave metal, obviously. But, you know, bits of everything. So yeah, there was definitely a a, a strong punk influence, especially in uh, a lot of the early albums. Some really good punk wrist, you know, in the vein of Discharge. That sort of thing. Punk I hard. Think yeah, I think that, but I also think there, there's a certain, I was saying this earlier as Matt and I were talking before you came on, there's a certain um, you don't give a fuck attitude that I definitely always liked about your band and who you were. And you pissed people off, you sort of caused controversy, but 
to me, it was all part of it. I loved it. I thought it was great because to, that's what you kind of have to do with a band, you know? I, and I think that definitely comes from punk rock. You know, we're talking about like the John Lydons, like the, the people who just were taking the piss and just didn't care. And I love that about what you have done with, with your, you know, especially oh, in, the, in the early days, you know, it's great. It's great. I think more bands <laughs> should do that kind of stuff. Well, you that's the thing. You, it's heavy metal. It's supposed to be dangerous, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> you know, I always grew up lo loving all those bands that like larger in life. I dare to say that most people go, oh my God, but Wasp were a massive influence. You know, they were pissing the PMRC off everything they did. And it was all with like a slight tongue, literally tongue in arse cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just literally thinking of, uh, no, I'm not really thinking of it. You know what I mean? Blackie Lawless and Chris Holmes in bloody uh, arse, arseless chaps. <laughs> well, hopefully, he... hopefully we didn't take too much influence from them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the T-shirt, you know, and like I'd love to get Jesse's thoughts on this because he grew up with a very religious, you know, father. Uh, and he he's talked on the show a lot about not even being able to have like maiden CDs in the house. So could you imagine Jesse, if you'd come home one day with a t-shirt with a nun masturbating herself with a cross on the front and then Jesus is a cunt written on the back, what would the response have been in that house to that gift? Uh, I'm, I would probably be dead. <laughs> I, think, I think my, my father would have just crucified me at that time. Um, no pun yeah, intended, but I think, you know, yeah. See, here's the fine line, though. I think, you know, there are people who are hyper religious that take offense and get super offended. And then there are people like me who kind of chuckle and like, I appreciate shaking up the foundations of religion. You know, having gr grown up in a strict household, you either A, become just like them or you go the opposite direction. I think I've initially went the opposite direction and now I kind of just sit in the middle where i'm you know there's no controversy to me anymore i'm I'm a pretty laid-back guy but i like things that shake up systematic stuff i like when people push back against control and i think that's the main issue i always had with it was control i was always under the thumb of it but had i you know brought anything into the house like that no, I wouldn't have heard the end of it. Are you kidding me? I mean, people know my my Iron Maiden story of the Hellfire and Brimstone sermon I got from bringing Number of the Beast, the cassette tape, into the house. I can't even imagine. Had I to wear that, I probably would have been stoned to death or something. I have no <laughs> idea. But the, the thing about that shirt was it was actually uh, more uh, an, an anarchic statement than anything when we did it. It was just like, who who could you who could who could you poke with a stick more than anybody else and it have an overarching effect? I mean, you can alienate it and go for individual people like Hitler and that. But would it really would it would it unify people or ununify people uh, in in quite the same way? And uh, yeah, with the nun on the front, it, it really sort of isolated the intent of it, and and it was a bit of a as nasty as it is, and 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 I must admit. I would be uncomfortable wearing it now. My girlfriend, we went for a meal and she inadvertently put it on as we walked in because it was chilly outside and she had a, like a cut down version of it, but there was enough of it. You know, there was definitely enough of it. And I looked at her with horror. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't want loads of spit in my food, you know? Mm. And it's just... You 
it's an it's an awkward scenario, isn't it? But um, yeah, I'm pleased we did. It was good fun. Mate, I rewatched earlier for the first time in years the, uh, oh, the living the, the living with oh. the enemy. Dude, <laughs> so good, so nineties, so British. Just such a nostalgic kind of hilarious window into our society at that time. And the yeah. exact words you use in in that program to describe the T-shirt is the pinnacle of distaste, which I thought it is so apt. That's kind of exactly what it is. And because they were saying, would you do another T-shirt? Would you kind of do a varying theme? And you're like, well, we can't top what we've done. That's it, right there. That is the pinnacle of distaste. <laughs> <laughs> And it's very true. Yeah. Well, it brings me back to like, you know, a band like Crass, for example. You know, you see all the quote unquote propaganda they used to put up, all the posters, the imagery of like some of those 80s crust bands, like showing, you know, people people being shot in the head and it's an anti-war thing. Like to me, that that stuff sticks and in that shirt sticks. I think it's a brilliant way to get your band noticed and to piss people off and to be rock and roll, really, at the end of the day, it's fucking rock and roll. <laughs> I'm sure some artists like Banksy or Shepard Fairey would have some, you know, kind of interesting takes on it as well, because it's very much what guys like that are doing now. You know, they're probably doing a more watered down version of it, but it's in that same vein, isn't it? Yeah, on walls in lower stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting it where it needs to be. Do you know what you've always been really smart at, Danny? I, I don't know how conscious this is or how conscious you'd want to admit that it is, but what you've always been genius at doing is thrusting quite, an, uh, quite an underground art project into the eyes and consciousness of the mainstream, uh, whether that's with stuff like that T-shirt or the Living With The Enemy show, even right up to the here and the now with, with your collaboration with Ed Sheeran which um, I'm sure we'll get around to talking about and bring me the horizon fairly recently as well. seems like you've always had an eye on how to retain the artistic integrity of Cradle, be an underground and an extreme heavy, dark, you know, metal band, but then also have people in the press and just society at large who wouldn't know of, you know, other bands in your genres be aware of you. Well, that was a bit of a double-edged sword because everybody just immediately branded us as sellouts, you know, when we were cross-contamination genres or going on TV, you know, like, what's it called? Never mind the buzzcocks or uh -huh. uh, celebrity get me out of it. Well, I, it, I, I was supposed to go on there. <laughs> I had a funny story about that. It wasn't that funny, so I probably won't repeat it. Funny to me. Um, go on. But it would show <laughs> the comments on it, which is even weirder, you know, because I never watched it before in my life, never will um but yeah people would were obviously uh until richmond came along when richmond came along it was kind of cool but uh, before that we got a lot of shit for that um i guess it's just yeah i mean it it, it worked and uh i can only thank all the people around us who um jimmied me into those slots um as they still do yeah i think uh i'd have to say for me the people who sort of call people sellouts and false metal and you know kill switch has gotten a bunch of that stuff too it's like at the end of the day those people only serve to continue to push you into a conversation so even though people that are disliking what you're doing they're still talking about you that's the way i look at it you said to sort of go i like what i do it's fun i'm having a good time i wouldn't necessarily turn on a band like kill switch and listen to myself but i like what i do 
So like, who cares if you like it or not? You know, I'll I'll be that person that you think is a, a sellout or fault. Yeah, never gonna, you're never gonna please everybody. No. you know what I mean. No matter how hard you try. Yeah, and I'm done trying. I don't care. I, I, yeah, I just exactly. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I t- I'm totally with you on that one. Um, actually, mine started a long time ago. <laughs> um, you know, I, I hear you totally. People just have this. Uh, uh, a worldview of you, and it's getting worse really now because, um, obviously, without before the advent of social media and stuff like that, um, when it was hard to actually get information on bands if they didn't want to, you know, if they didn't want to uh, show it, uh, added to not only did it add to the mystery and the kind of wonder and the excitement of everything, but also you can look behind the curtain and pull bands apart, you know, and find out where they live and what, where they shop and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and when you do, you, you kind of open yourself up to all kinds of uh, interesting interaction. Have you had a stalker yet? Like a bad stalker? I have. Yeah, I've had a few of them. Um, and it's interesting to me because like, I, at the end of the day, you just wonder why, like what, what is the motive there? And, and what do they expect to get from encountering you in such an odd personal way or you know people will come up and disturb me while i'm eating my breakfast or just any stuff like that i often wonder like what's the motive behind that and i really like what you just said about social media and sort of breaking down the wall of of the mystery of people i i kind of miss that mystery i kind of miss wondering if this figure in this band actually did all these things that people talk about and sort of like um not having to know somebody completely and just being a fan of their band and their art there's a part of me that sort of laments that it's not more like that now uh, yeah I also, I also regret like um getting older and finding out that or everybody that i grew up with like even if they were like a really obscure band or just one of the lower echelon thrash bands like razor or, or someone akin to that weren't all like living in their dream castles and driving around in you know batmobiles i always yeah. thought you know that's exactly what it was going to be like and i was a bit disappointed to find out and there was a great quote actually from a journalist who um uh, or photography went to hammersmith odeon to watch venom and he said yeah there, there was um uh jeff mantis you know a rabid cap- capture of bestial malevolence where he was gatekeeper of the seven you know seals of hell Given it that large and there's fireworks and that, and they're like top of the mountain guitar solos. And he said he was staying in Hammersmith overnight because he had to travel on the, up north or something the next day. And he just happened to be going to the train station <laughs> and seeing Jeff Manta struggling with some shopping bags coming out of the, <laughs> the local Sainsbury's. And it just <laughs> kind of just burst his bubble in one big fell swoop. Yeah, because he was really struggling. So, you know, they yeah. keep. <laughs> shop mum <laughs> what's the weirdest kind of fan situation you found yourself in then Danny uh, what that you can at- talk about uh, yeah well, I'm going to talk about any of it because uh, the sooner this person leaves me alone the better right have, so it's, on, it's ongoing is it Fuck. oh god yeah and it was I'm not the first which makes it very bizarre like other people have had it that I've known this person 
and she's latched onto me. She's uh, she's Russian, and uh, I've met her, but I didn't know it was her. Uh, meet and greet, and uh, she sends like like my girlfriend and and people I know massive emails about how we're married and how I'm, it's just insane. I kept so much of it. I mean, if, if it was to be published in a book, people would just one get bored because the insanity is just full on from, from the word go. And there's so much of it. It really is like serial killer behavior. It goes quiet for a little bit. Uh, we tried the ru- contacting Russian police, obviously before the conflict, they're not gonna give a shit now. And uh, yeah, it's not really much people can do at the present. And it just keeps, Instagram's fully aware of every, you know, facet uh, of this person, but she just keeps changing, you know, her profile. Keeping the same name, though. And, uh, yeah, it's not only contacts people I know, but interacts sometimes with groups that sort of, it's just bizarre. It's quite annoying, actually. Mm. Yeah, I, it gets to that point where, you know, for a little while there, for me, you know, you just kind of go out in public and you wonder who's around you. And that's a weird feeling to have. You know, that's the one thing I would say that I've never really enjoyed about being in a band that had some sort of success is i love to go out and just be around people and and be part of the group and that moment when you started like looking behind your shoulder because you know somebody has been writing you and stalking you and you don't know where they are and they could show up at a show because you know your your tour list is on the internet that your tour bus is right there like it's fairly easy to get access to certain people that's got to be that's got to do a number to you after a while in your head i mean how long has this been going on with you oh five years i think oh wow I know. It's a, a long there's time. A, there, was a, there was a kid in um, America who'd been setting, threatening, you know, like, I'm going to come to the venue and, and shoot you type messages. And a friend of mine, her her father was like an FBI agent. So she contacted him and he contacted the local police force. And before the gig, they actually went down to where he worked and scared the, the living bejesus out of him. They scared the shit out of me as well because they turned up at a show in Houston, you know, bravado with the cops with so many, you know, tear gas and, you know, rocket launchers and whatever else they're carrying around. <laughs> and just, you know, I was in the right and uh, I, I felt intimidated. But apparently he literally shat himself. But I was quite, <laughs> quite grateful for that. As it uncovered just a normal kid who worked in Burger King, as yeah. opposed to, you know, a criminal mastermind who's planning to kidnap me. It's fucked up, though, when people you know talk about your life that's that's where you you come on dude you can't be doing that shit it's one thing to be to like you know flirt with someone or like want to be with them but to threaten their lives or anyone else in their lives lives now that you've crossed the line yeah who's the darkest person you've ever met danny in this world of heavy metal not fans but maybe artists you must have come across a few genuinely evil people in your time or as close to evil as a human can get well, that's about perspective, isn't it? I don't think I've met anybody like that because all the people that they, you know, serialize as as being really subversive and dangerous, I've always found to be actually I get on very well with them. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> or the Norwegian lot. I mean, uh, I've been for dinner at Gull's house and hung around with him for quite a bit from Godseed. Uh, he was formerly in Gorgoroth. I mean, he's done plenty of prison time i believe 
um, and and such forth and such like. And they were just really sweet and like you wouldn't believe some of their music tastes, you know, or what they like to get up to. It's it's you know they like cats and stuff and <laughs> walks in the park. Uh, so even yeah. those more extreme dudes, often it is just an act, and they're not actually really. Well, I met Glenn Benton a few years back, and I always heard these horrible stories about him. And you know, probably press related as well. Per- also, personal ones. People have been to see shows and what have you. And I, I was like, literally avoided him at this festival. I sort of kind of almost made eye contact, and I was like, no, nah, it's all right. I really wanted to meet him, but I just, uh, you know, it's that thing with you meet people you you grew up listening to and they turn out to be complete cocks. It kind of, I don't want to listen to their album anymore. Um, so I met him and he was really, really funny and a great genuine guy. Um, so now I can't really think of anybody uh, other than, well, no, it's nothing to do with music scene really. I suppose Sharon Osbourne was a bit imposing. <laughs> she was... Yeah. <laughs> she used to manage you guys, right? For, for a bit. Who, us? Yeah, did, did she used to manage Cradle of Filth? No, 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 no. No, no I bet you rang about. No Ferrari <laughs> in the drive. Sorry, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Different manager. Well, we're talking to your current manager later today. Yes, that's right. Well, uh, Which is going to be very exciting. He said tomorrow. He's probably got the day wrong, hasn't he? Has it, did he say tomorrow, did he? Brilliant. I sure he said tomorrow. He said, say hello, get, say hello to everybody. Um, <laughs> well, we'll find out him. later on. That's funny. <laughs> so what about Ed Sheeran then, Danny? I know everybody is probably asking you about this all the time at the moment, but first of all, how does the biggest pop star in the world um, introduce himself to you? I presume he's the one that reaches out, or, or how do your, your paths intertwine? Um, well, apparently they, they intertwined years ago, according to him, uh, or didn't intertwine. Um, and he actually thanked me, at which point I said, yeah, bank account details, there you go, um, <laughs> for, um, for keeping him doing what he does. Because originally, long story short, we had a, a local studio. It was legendary. It was like the home of Extreme Noise Terror and all these crust punk bands and stuff for years and years and years. So you can imagine it wasn't the, the cleanest of places, but brilliant. It's gone now. It lost a, an absolute treasure there. But um, we always used to do a pre-production there and then go to a different studio. And this one occasion, we were going to Andy Sneap's studio. Um, nice. And uh, Sneapy Hollow, we call it. And um, Good man. So, yeah, we were doing this, this pre-production there. And Ed Sheeran, pre-Ed Sheeran fame days, was had wanted, because he was a fan, apparently, of Slipknot and a, a bunch of other bands, probably Kill Switch. Um, and Craig the Filth, he had the Nymphetamine album, and uh, he wanted to come to the studio and do work experience, work out, just because we were there. Um, and the studio guy said, Yeah, yeah, come down, they're definitely doing an album here, whatever. Of course, we weren't. And Susie found out, he was like, Oh, fuck this, I'm not really interested. So he tried to get um, placement in another studio. But there were none, so they made him go and work, like do some clerical work at the local council, which apparently he said was the worst thing ever. It was fucking awful. And our local council were complete arseholes anyway, and put that on record. And um, yeah, so he's literally said, 
I didn't do the job in music and I was like, you know, I could have gone into clerical for the rest of my life, but I hated it so fucking much that I was like, I am never doing a job like this in my life. And then he just completely, you know, went over to the dark side and uh, carried on with his musical career. And that came up because he did a video, he was talking about like metal and what have you, because he played a vampire in it or something. And uh, Des just got in touch with his manager, Stuart. And uh, they hit it off. And uh, we just uh, just started pen palette, which we have been ever since. So that was probably about three years ago. So imagine what his schedule must be like. We, we didn't get a hold of him uh, until, until just for shortly before Christmas when he had some time off. And uh, he came to the studio. Our studio is a little place in, right in the middle of the English countryside. Well, hang on, hang on a minute, Danny. How far into your pen pal relationship does the idea to work together? Oh, straight away. Straight All right, away. and and it's him pitching that, or is it you, or who, who's kind of? <laughs> I think we suggested it, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, cool." Or he said, "You know, it'd be great to do something one day." You know, dot dot dot. And by the fifth dot, I'd already jumped on it. <laughs> yes. um, Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, that was like two and a half years before it actually came to fruition. And instead of a, like fanfare and, you know, journalists and a load of these people documenting the occasion. And uh, in retrospect, he was actually having a, the, the Disney documentary filmed at the time. Because um, if you watch the documentary, which I've had to do since someone's mentioned it, um, he actually comes back from the day he came to our studio and said, oh, I've just been, you know, hanging out with Cradle of Filth. So the opportunity was there to drag this film crew down, but he just turned up totally uh, without fanfare, like I say, borrowed his wife's car, uh, cradle of filth hoodie, guitar over his shoulder, just one of the lads, did all his stuff, spent the day doing that, then we went for a pub lunch. And then he had to go and pick his daughter up from school. Uh, and it was imagine we, we went into, we thought, right, okay, let's think of all the really cool places we could go. I was, while he was doing his guitar work, I was like, quick just check check okay this one can't go wrong here it's not gonna be full of teenagers and when we got in there like beautiful beamed country pub very expensive very eclectic full of old people of course the moment we walked in there everybody all these old people recognized him as well so it's just the same thing <laughs> different age group <laughs> that's amazing dude and it, you know we, we spoke when i saw you at the tattoo convention about that story in shorter form and the thing that i deducted then which even more so comes across now is just what a down-to-earth dude he is despite his huge stardom just seems like as you say one of the lads yeah absolutely yeah i mean he didn't have anybody with him he just came rocked up on his own no uh security detail you know and the thing was it was all a little vague beforehand because he he was getting back from somewhere we were getting back from somewhere so there was no like okay be here at a certain time where they just rang us on the way and said, oh, I'm about 10 minutes away. I think he might be a bit lost. He was, he went and parked. And it's, it's a hamlet and he still managed to park somewhere completely different. And uh, yeah, there wasn't like, if I was in his position, I'd be thinking on the way there, oh my God, I hope they haven't brought like the wives, girlfriends or, you know, like, oh, my mum's a massive fan, so I thought she'd come along. And there was none of that. So I... He just took a punt, didn't he, really, and trusted that we weren't there and it was all pseudonyms and we were sending to Bulgaria for a ransom. <laughs> Which did like... cross their minds. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I like that. I, to me, that's I like hearing that type of stuff because, to me, celebrityism is just is garbage. I can't stand it. I I, don't, I like when people don't need to be that way. You know, have their uh, entourage with them, or you know, constantly doing videoing or content because you know I love when it's just people getting together doing a thing. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, it was. It was very cool. And it's and anyway, back to the boring everybody with more stories it's all done we're just uh in the sort of back into out of the fantasy good let's enjoy ourselves stage into the well now we've got to get it sorted the, the powers of being got to get it sorted to be released and it's all for, it's for charity so you can imagine the complications inherent there as well and is it, is it a cradle of filth song with a Ed Sheeran feature? Is, is it Danny and Ed? Like what? What's the billing of? Uh, it, yeah, well, it's cradle of filth featuring Ed Sheeran. Amazing. And it's exactly what it, it does on the tin. It's got cradle of filth in it and Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, you've you've always had the most interesting and 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 varied collaborators throughout your career, whether it's Pinhead from Hellraiser or you know. Um, what was the lady who was in all the horror films, the Polish actress that you did a bunch of stuff Ingrid with as well? Pitt. Ingrid Pitt. Yeah. I mean, so many amazing collaborations and, and intimate moments you've shared with all kinds of people. It'd be hard to think of someone going from Pinhead yeah, we don't talk about that, hey. <laughs> to, to Ed Sheeran. Do you know what I mean? That's quite a broad church. Yeah. But I think that's the, the beauty of it because people always like say, what the hell? Why did you do? I did something with this band called Twisted. And uh, it, that was the worst. I mean, more so than Ed Sheeran because, you know, they're, they're from that much despised, um, insane clown posse sort of group of people. And it's got their own movement, you know, and there's got lots of different rappers that are all sort of serial killer based that are attributed to them. And uh, I just really liked it. And they were really genuine people. And I just think, what's the point of doing something like, I, I'm not, if the band ever gets to hear of it. I mean, if, with Mayhem or, you know, someone that's not too distant from what you're doing, doesn't really mean much, does it? I like the juxtaposition, the marriage of opposites. I mean, doing so with Ed Sheeran is like, it's PK's people interest. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about the song actually is it does sound like an Ed Sheeran song for a bit of it, like literally like an Ed Sheeran song. But then we did manage to, get him to sing over a blast beat as well yes that's and, fucking uh, awesome. you know that's like a sort of dream come true really to do things like that well and all these years in mate you know wait till ed sheeran's fans get their ears around this you no know. he really we, we we found a song one of his songs that he really goes for it that almost hits rock you know and uh we said right like that but a bit more extreme you know like really go for it <laughs> Go Bonnie Tyler on us. <laughs> I think he, you're going to piss off so many of his fans and it's going to be great. <laughs> or 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 they're going to come over to the dark side and, and, and start discovering Cradle fucking filth. <laughs> Did you have that with the Bring Me the Horizon collaboration, Danny? Would you have as much as you might expect of this kind of new generation of fan base discovering your music and jumping on board? Because they're obviously huge as well in their own little world. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I did that. They flew me from Brazil. I mean, I was on the way back, but I was on the way to Czech Republic and they diverted me to go and they did a big thing at this Victoria Park. And it was like that. It was them and they had a whole day of Run the Jewels, I think, and fans like that supported. It was huge, 70,000 people. 
and they blew like 100 grand on this massive stage show. I was there just for that song. And uh, yeah, it almost went tits up as well because um, they were on a click track and he just told me as we were about to go on stage, oh, damn, I forgot to say, we'll do a different version of it. So just watch me. And I was like, <laughs> and he was down the front on this bloody walkway and I'm, I'm sort of about 200 meters behind him going, <laughs> and luckily, luckily just went in I just went for it and it was the right spot I was literally ju jumping into an ocean it was it was bizarre but yeah they're huge and uh, I only did that originally is because my daughter was a massive fan of Ollie Sykes and so um, when we did the video I took her up to meet him and she's actually in the video doing a bit of shopping I think and so I made her sort of dream come true and I was really surprised afterwards just how much uh, coverage it got just for like a, I don't know, because you can barely hear me on the bloody record anyway. But um, yeah, celebrate. I think there's something magic there that a lot of artists who become parents kind of find when they, you know, will link up with artists that perhaps they're only really collaborating with because their kids are fans. And then it leads on to this whole other you know, lease of life within your own artistic lane. One of the joys of parenthood, one of the many joys, I'm sure, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, <laughs> <like that. laughs> is, is there any music that you will have to kind of, you know, raise your eyebrows to that when that comes on the car? Um, you know, have you become the parent that is offended or shocked by anything that your kids are listening to? Well, no, my, my daughter's 24. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, she's allowed to do what she wants at this stage. Shocked about that sort of thing, anyway, wouldn't even if it wasn't me. Was there <laughs> was there ever that moment where you were like, "Ooh," and you found yourself becoming the parent that was oh, shocked? Fuck yes, absolutely. We we went we had a day out one day, and uh, there, I was, we were listening to Radio One in the car. So my my ex wife was driving, and uh, the in betweeners were being interviewed, and it was like I don't know. Jesse probably wouldn't know if you watched the in betweeners. It's a British sitcom about school kids. And it's pretty adult, but I didn't know that at the time because obviously interview Radio 1, it was very sanitised. And so the kids on it sounded like it was like Grain Chill, which was a very sanitised, you know, kids programme. And so I sat down to watch it with uh, like, you know, feigning, well, not feigning interest. I was genuinely interested. And I thought, oh, cool, another good connection. I like this. And I just sat down on the sofa and the first thing that came out of this kid's mouth was, oh, your mum's fucking horny, ain't she? Oh, I'd love to spaff on her tips. And I was like, <laughs> next to my eight-year-old daughter. Oh, I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> like, literally the most embarrassed I've ever been. I, I just like went blood red. Everything, like all the oxygen sucked out the room. And I just <laughs> made myself leave. My, my ex-wife was in hysterics. She said, I told you, it's really brutal. So I didn't think it was that fucking brutal. <laughs> That's, that to me that but like pump the brakes pump the brakes for a second because that is an amazing moment if you think about your career and we were talking earlier about the the t-shirt like you had a moment that some parents might have had from your fucking t-shirt dude <laughs> like punishment from god <laughs> oh that's fucking amazing yeah that's yeah. a lot for an eight-year-old <laughs> um, but that's the thing kids you know, eight, nine, you know, they're talking about that sort of stuff anyway, I guess. Yeah. Well, it must be. And uh, oh, we weren't. We were out, you know, we didn't have the internet when we were young, so we were climbing trees and, you know, 
on our BMXs, et cetera, et cetera, looking for ET. Yeah, that's the beauty of that. I'm I hate to be that guy, but man, we had a good we had a good I love those days. I still shit, there's moments where I go out in the woods and I play fucking army with myself. Like it's gone like <laughs> hide in the woods. Like I love that shit. Hey, did you say with yourself or with yourself? With myself. <laughs> yeah. himself. Yeah. I do it with myself. Yes, you are. You heard me right. I'm a loner, man. I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> Shot them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, Danny, I want to ask you something. Do you think you are somebody who is difficult to work with or do you just demand a lot and it's hard for you to find people that match your passion and drive? Because, you know, you've obviously had so many different members in Cradle of Filth over the years. Um, But whenever I've met you, you seem just like the most amiable, easygoing dude. So is it the case that just, you know, with a, a band of that nature, it's hard to find collaborators that are as invested as you? Or are you indeed just the most difficult man alive when it comes to making music? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, the... <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think so. Well, obviously I wouldn't, would I? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, a lot, we've only actually fired, well, I've only ever fired. When I say me, it's always been a collaborative thing between me and... You know, one of like two, we only had two, we had an interim manager, but he's not even worth talking about. Two managers, uh, with the current one being Des. Uh, we've only ever had to fire two people, I think, out of 35, 35 extras that have left. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis on left, because a lot of people, uh, people can't keep up with the lifestyle sometimes. Some people just get tired and they'd like, or they've, found someone on the road, you know, they found someone on the road through the band, then they decide they're going to start a life with them. And then the band becomes secondary. And then they then the next thing is, uh, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore, whatever. And then, you know, 10 minutes, 10 minutes later, they've got another band going. And I don't know, there's a, there's a myriad of reasons. Uh, but I don't think that's one of them. Because management, everybody has their own kind of, they don't get expected to do a huge amount. And they're treated really well. We we try and be as good friends as possible. I mean, we don't spend much time with each other out of the band scenario, but that's probably because we've got two people in the Czech Republic, two in America, one in Scotland, and I live at the bottom of England. So, you know, there's not a lot of... When I had a local band, yeah, we hung out all the time. But until we hang out, we try and do fun things, uh, you know, sightseeing and what have you. But yeah, I put that down to, yeah, just generally people think they could either do it better or it's too much for them. They don't like being on the road for loads, as in the case of uh, Lindsay, our previous keyboardist. She just got to a point where it's like, it's not good for my health anymore. I want to be at home with my boyfriend and my cat and, mm-hmm. you know, do a day job or part-time job and then do music as a sort of, you know, not full-on ruining her health type thing. It's a slippery slope. I don't think a lot of people realize how difficult it is to keep a band together and all the ins and outs. And, you know, like you said, touring, which either you love it or you hate it, or, you know, a balance of the two for me is a nice sweet spot. But you've, you've got to be a certain type of person and, and egos get in the way. There's so many things that really go into keeping a band together that is difficult. And you, that's what people don't see. You know, you talk about social media bands only put out the cool stuff you don't see all the weird 
in between stuff, the travel, the delayed flights, the, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. all that bullshit, you know, that's difficult. It's fucking hard. Going to the, the, the flights thing, I think the best quote I ever heard uh, was, uh, I think it was Johnny Winters. It doesn't matter who said it. They literally said, I'll do all the gigs in the world for free. Literally, I'll play to anybody. You cunts are paying for me to sit in hotel waiting rooms and airports and stuff like that. That's what you're paying me for. The rest I'll do for nothing. Oh, yeah. And that's really apt because that's another thing that people get. If you go and tour South America, for example, you know, you're going to be spending 65% of your time in South America in airports or traveling to and from airports yeah. and uh, or on planes. And uh, yeah, it's it. It sounds luxurious and well, I'm jet setting, but you know, 35 minutes into the first one, you're going, Yeah, I can see this is a problem. Exhausting, really. That's the bottom line with it. It's fucking yeah. exhausting. Yeah. Absolutely. Where's Cradle's biggest territories, Danny? Where, where do you play the biggest? Oh, I don't stages? know. All over, I guess, but really, I think America's pretty, American South America. I don't know why, but yeah. Those two continents, incontinents, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, we do pretty well all over the place, but um, I'd say, yeah, America for some reason has taken a shine to us. How much do you think, aside from the band being awesome, which they are, how much do you think, especially with American audiences, that could be attributed to, you know, say a, a band Margera type? Because he seemed to have really, I think, helped introduce a lot of, of a certain generation of people to bands oh, yeah. like Cradle of Filth and um, who else, like him, obviously, Turbo Negro, because yeah. you know, he had all these bands on his show when that show was the biggest thing in the world. Do you think a bit of it is that? It could be, but that for that to be um, correct, you'd have to assume that because America's quite thick, well, everywhere is fickle if you're not in, if you, as soon as you get out of the public eye, then people tend to forget about you. So that would be mm. on the assumption that we're constantly in the public eye in America. And uh, I wish that was so, because um, I'd be able to pay my mortgage off a lot quicker. Um, yeah, that's the person that's fallen somewhat from grace, is mm. dear old Bam. Um, mm. Like I say, at one point, he was literally the patron saint of Finland. Uh, did you say Toro Negro? There was him, 69 Eyes, Erasmus, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Morphis. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely helped. I mean, I couldn't believe how I, I spent, a, I, I went and stayed with him for a week, which was probably one of the craziest fucked up weeks of my life, honestly. Insane. Um, Have you every, ever seen a fame hurricane bigger than what was yeah, around yeah, him I at that time? I couldn't believe it. He, again, very down to earth person came to pick me up from the airport in his car, which happened to be a Lamborghini. Um, uh, yeah, which had the roof cut out. Billy Idol the week before chainsawed the roof out, so we couldn't leave it anywhere, which was weird. So we were like parking it on the curb outside bars and things like that. Um, yeah, just a weird week. One, he, one day we were doing this, the next day we were like going down to in a limo to New York to open a bloody skateboard shop. It was just proper mental. I couldn't believe the, the you know, the size of his celebrityness. Celebrityness, yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> his fame. His fame. Um, so yeah, I guess that would have helped. I mean, MTV is king, in it or was. Was. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine, dude. I, I've heard stories too about the, the craziness that went on in his life and his lifestyle and his little ranch he had there. And what was still going on. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting, man. A fame can fuck people up, man. Money can fuck people up. I mean, I'll take the money, but the, I can do without the fame, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think I'm about the same. Unfortunately, one sort of kind of goes with the other. Yeah. Unless you win the lottery and then just buy a, a private island and disappear. But yeah, I like the, the fact that it's, it's good at the moment because like, although I do get noticed from time to time, it's not full on. And where I live, everybody's super, well, either very kind and respectful or just fucking dumb and ignorant. Uh, but I get left alone and people know where I live. Um, I've only had one person camp out in my garden and then they ended up in a mental asylum. So <laughs> he was a, just a regular joke um so yeah but i i agree i'd rather be sort of notorious and uh have my own pad and things to enjoy rather than being hounded all the time must be terrible mm. so i got a question for you uh just a personal curiosity because uh, i'm kind of in that stage of my life now where, you know you know mid 40s going into 50s looking back on my life what what is it for you that keeps you interested engaged and keep going other than the fact that this is just what you do and you know you maintain it but what is it that keeps you back on the road making music caring about what you do putting your energy and your spirit into it he says i do <laughs> <laughs> maybe <As> you don't <laughs> um well i mean I, I just i just really enjoy it i think the pandemic as well I think mm. for everybody would press the reset button, whether it was like, you know what, I'm done with music. I suddenly realized it's shit. I want to be, you know, I got a job delivering Amazon Prime or whatever. And I, I want to be a family man, which I know a lot of people did. I know a lot of people that got jobs and then they're like, oh, my God, thank God for the music industry. But I think it's just made just realize, you know what, we're really lucky at what we do. You know, we're kind of free spirits. We don't have to, you know, we're king in our own areas. We don't have to be living in a palace with, you know, multitude of riches. Being free-spirited means you've got your, you know, you find your treasures and other things by doing everything at your own pace, at your own time, and, and the things you love as well. There's so many people I know are stuck in jobs they fucking hate, can't wait to get out of them. And at times, yeah, it can be a bit bleak, but I think that's more imposed by other people, the you know, status quo and whatever. Uh, the world isn't short of things. You know, I couldn't be bored being at home. I've got too many things to do or to look at or read or watch or, you know, listen. Um, plenty of clothes to put in the, in the washing machine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think uh, if you're really into to, to stuff, then you don't really grow out of it. I mean, like I say, I'm turning 50 in, in pretty much exactly a month. And... Uh, yeah, I still feel like a boy. I, st I still have that nostalgia. I still go up in the morning and smell the air and go, oh, my God, it's summer. Quick, where's how will I laugh tomorrow? <laughs> Let's put that on while I have my breakfast, you know, and do a bit of headbanging. Mm. Perhaps get the great the skateboard out. Love that. Yeah, I love what you just said, though, about, you know, it's it's not necessarily about the uh, the lifestyle of touring. It's about having the free time. Like, to me, one of my favorite things when I'm not touring is being free on a Wednesday afternoon to go sit in a tube and float down a river near my house here in the mountains like i can do stuff like that and you got people who are stuck in an office stuck in a job 
midday in the summer and they, they can't go out and enjoy themselves because they have to do this job. That's this. And what a luxury to have the free time to just do that thing. Oh, Wednesday, I'm going to go swim in a lake for four hours because I can, you know. Which sounds absolutely marvellous, and anybody would be fool not to go, oh, my God, I'd love to do that, you know? Yeah. When I was young, I was looking at my my uncles, all very lot older than my mum and my dad, and they were like sort of, four, I guess, 40-ish at the time, and I looked up at them and thought, God, they're so old. And now, yeah. like, I'm 50. I think that the demographics changed, though. Back in the day, everybody had jobs. Everybody had to do it. I don't, you know, there were a few... Artists were few and far between. It was all post-war. We're building the country back up again, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I think the demographics change. I think, I hope this is the case, that people will get younger as they get older. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I, like I said, I certainly feel young. I've got a, a group of people that are very artistic around me, uh, tattoo people, artists, that sort of thing. And they all seem very young at heart. And I think, that keeps you young at heart as well. Amen. Yeah. I feel better now <laughs> in my forties than I did in my twenties for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know where you're going, you know, when you're young, it's all chaos and, you know, unfamiliar, unfamiliarity. Got it. Um, <laughs> and I've been a bit uncertain of your surroundings. You've got it all, but you don't really know what to do with it. You've got a nice shiny mm. tool, but no idea of how to handle it. And then when you're older, you look back and say, yeah, you know, I could have done this better or whatever. But all these paths have led me to where I am now. So if, you'd, if it had all been, you know, plaques and, and roses, then um, maybe I wouldn't have been the person I am now. And uh, I think it shapes you that way. And uh, it's weird because it's some, it's some sort of trodden territory, the age thing. I mean, you've got the, the progenitors, the, the starters of, of metal, the Aussies, you know, the Black Sabbaths, the even the Motley Crews, the priests, they're all getting to that age now and they're still performing. So it's, you don't know how long the shelf life is, you know? I think it's as long as you're having fun, right? Yeah, but could you imagine me doing what I'm doing at 80? It'd be fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> you just need loads of young, athletic, acrobatic dancers around you, you know, take because that's what Motley Crew have, you know, when Most they go out. It's just that. they've got beautiful women breathing fire and you go, oh, it's still an exciting show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your back and back's working. Brilliant. <laughs> Box is ticked. <laughs> Dude, well, this has been great, man. It's been really cool to uh, to catch up and and to let you two kind of you know share some perspectives of of the road. And um, yeah, Danny, you, you're a you're a wicked dude. I've always enjoyed your company and your time, and uh, I'm grateful for it today. Oh, thank you very much. Very kind of you. It was nice catching up at that um, tattoo place. I had a really good weekend. It was really chilled. Really yeah, everybody there was lovely, and and you, yeah. and your your partner seems like a wonderful, wonderful woman. And um, yeah, I think that you know when you as you said earlier on when you're surrounded by people because i'm presuming through her you've met a lot of different artists as well and, yeah, and yeah. outside of your traditional field of music and i think when you and i think jesse has it as well because his, his partner's a performer and she's friends with a lot of dancers and i think once you're around your people you know it's like you're as young as you feel because you're engaged just in the act of being alive and, and you're surrounded by good company and creative folks that's all you need i think yeah yeah it keeps keeps the blood pumping and and the, and the fact she's 20 years younger <laughs> so that might have something to do with it at all but yeah, yeah do it. I, I totally agree yeah you surround yourself with good people 
and uh yeah keeps you interested yeah i'd, I'd be uh remiss not to mention that my my uh fiance purple uh loves you and says hello hi purple um, and she's uh she's she's younger than me too she keeps me young i love that girl and also uh Brittany elliott and um johnny hey uh, yeah i love johnny yep. say hello as well awesome and, and johnny yeah johnny yep been talking yeah. to them they're uh going to be doing the uh, lamb of god cruise um i'm going to be on there with purple purple's performing pole dancing and aerial well, dj some metal stuff and they're doing tattooing on the boat so be a fun little oh. party awesome sounds like a fun yeah say hello to them for me i will really dude it was a pleasure man it was nice chatting with you and just being able to Absolutely. shoot the shit and just hang with you and uh next time we do cross paths if it's not brief maybe we'll have a little chat then as well it's been a total fucking pleasure a non-alcoholic beer yeah beverage. yeah we'll have some, mo- we'll have some mocktails <laughs> i better check in with him and remind him is it literally today he's seeing you or what yeah it's meant to be in like four <laughs> hours so yeah give, give yes. him a little reminder yeah I'll, I'll, get, I'll get straight on to it that's funny <laughs> you're managing him now the roles are reversed Absolutely. i love it oh, yeah literally have to wipe Nice one, Danny. Always a pleasure, mate. Look forward to uh to our next in person meeting. And, and thanks yeah. again for today, yeah. mate. It was really good. Yeah, fun. Thank, thank you, Jesse as well. Take it easy, Cheers, buddy. Pleasure, Take man. Care. Cheerio.